Welcome to the Be Busy Being Awesome podcast with your host, Lorena Acosta, who helps leaders and companies to reassess their voice on social media. In a digital era, your reputation is your brand, your personal brand. In this podcast, Lorena speaks with successful thought leaders such as authors, musicians, franchise owners, technologists, and coaches who will share their strategies and marketing insights with you. Tune in and learn from these experts on how to grow your own profitable business and brand on LinkedIn. Hi guys, how are you? This is Lorena and tonight I have here with me a special guest. Many of you have seen Sam everywhere on, on LinkedIn, jumping around, creating engagement and, and building relationships with many of us. He has been doing a tremendous job. Sam Gupta is the principal consultant of Elevate IQ company. And he is specialized primarily on ERP. Hi, Sam. Hello, Lorena. How are you? I am very good. I'm fantastic. And I'm super excited to talk to your fun listeners. Oh, I'm glad that you accepted. You are a very busy guy. And I know that your time is gold. So, you know, after seeing you around for a while, I said, well, let me interview this guy and find out what is he doing on LinkedIn. Of course, it is my pleasure, Lorena. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So what you have been done on LinkedIn? I mean, why? I mean, suddenly I saw you showing up and being super active and engageable with everybody and creating, you know, compelling content and leaving up very insightful comments on other people's posts. So what is the meaning behind? What's going on? Well, so I was very strategic behind, uh, you know, how I wanted to approach LinkedIn. The reason why I had started my LinkedIn journey is because I wanted to promote my inbound content. So I was not really into the inbound marketing, but then I figured that when I was trying to promote my content, nobody was liking it on LinkedIn. You know, I was getting like zero views. Uh, Let me interrupt you. What do you mean by I'm trying to create my inbound marketing? Exactly. So, so we, before pandemic, let me give you a little bit of story here, right? So please, before, please, please. Before pandemic, what we used to do is we relied primarily on our outbound channels to get leads. And we used to get a lot of leads from our OEMs. And in our case, OEMs are going to be original equipment manufacturers in the software space. These are going to be large software manufacturers, such as Infor, SAP. We used to get leads from them. But once the pandemic hit, then we were not getting as much lead flow. Our outbound campaigns stopped working. So our campaigns were not performing. Our existing contracts were getting killed, and we had to survive. So we had to figure out, okay, how are we going to survive uh, in the new world, in the new normal? So that's when we started focusing a little bit on on the content because we know that even if we put our effort in the outbound marketing at this point of time, that is probably not going to perform. So we started focusing on the the inbound content. So let me ask you a question. So what happened to you and your company during the pandemic? What happened with your leads? What happened with the outbound con- marketing? What, what happened? Please share that with my audience. Yeah, so basically it just stopped performing because nobody was really buying the IT as much. So we are into ERP space, right? ERP is supposed to be one of the most expensive purchase 
that companies make every five years, seven years, 10 years, uh, sometimes it could be 15 years as well. So these are very expensive purchases that, that companies make. And uh, my target market is really the manufacturer, distributors, and, and, and retail companies. So when the pandemic hit, as you know, for a lot of manufacturers, their sales were down significantly. And when then the, their sales are down, they are going to be primarily into the cash conservation mode. And they are not going to be spending as much on, let's say, the IT systems improvement. And that is the first thing that they actually reduce the spend, right? So because of that, we were not uh, getting as many net new opportunities that we used to get before pandemic, just because before pandemic, it was a usual market where we would have a certain demand and we used to plan according to that. We never had to worry about finding leads through inbound channels just because we were busy enough. We were growing enough, so we would never have to worry about. But in the new normal, our manufacturers or the OEMs they stopped sending the leads because they had very few leads and they would send to much larger partners, much experienced partners than us. So in our case, I mean, our lead flow reduced significantly. And because of that, we just had to find new ways to survive. And that's when we started exploring the inbound marketing and inbound, it, it's been a learning, uh, you know, from the inbound marketing. What have because- you done? So initially, we started writing content on our blog. We have done that. But then, you know, even if you write, if nobody reads it, then, you know, what's the point of writing? Right? I'm going to tell you what happened. People don't care who you are, yeah. what you do, yeah. and what you sell until you don't share that you care about them. Exactly. And that is so relevant on LinkedIn. In fact, I'm actually going to add to what we were doing on LinkedIn. So initially when I started, I had, I, I sort of had the clue about LinkedIn that, you know, it is supposed to be sales and targeting tool, uh, but we never had any clue with respect to this referral or relationship-based marketing. So when I started on my journey on LinkedIn, so what I used to do is, you know, we used to automate uh, our feeds primarily. So what we would do is this is going to be really the content. It was educational. It wasn't a sales pitch, but still people don't, care for even the educational content on LinkedIn as much, unless it is done in a subtle way, the way Lorena, you guys approach LinkedIn, which is going to be slightly more humanizing. You make the content slightly more fun. We make content slightly more engaging. Uh, We, uh, you know, uh, you position yourself as if you are caring for them first. And then if you want to pitch, you can pitch, Uh, but you have to build that trust, right? And you talk about Lorena trust factor a lot, right? So in case of LinkedIn, it's been a learning for us. It's been a journey for us in terms of finding out, okay, what are the things that are going to be really relevant for for LinkedIn? So when I started my journey on LinkedIn, I was really watching you guys, okay? (laughs) I I really wanted to find out, okay, how Lorena did- Watching who? What you were watching my content? I was watching, you know, a lot of influencers and I was watching especially, you know, Lorena, you- because you have 1.3 million followers. So that's a big deal. And I really wanted to figure out, you know, what you were doing differently from other folks. So I was really, really paying attention to everything that you were doing. I simply wanted to learn, to be honest, okay? And then oh, obviously one thing- me a lot. Uh, thank you so <laughs> and much. one thing I figured out is on LinkedIn, especially for LinkedIn al- algorithm, getting attention of the influencer is a big deal. I don't know whether you remember this or not, Lorena, I, I talk about this a lot whenever anybody asks me, okay, tell me about LinkedIn algorithm. 
and i was like okay <laughs> you guys keep complaining about influencers as much as you want but unless you have their attention your posts are not going to perform as simple as that <laughs> so well, they will perform but you need to have those partnerships right and the partnership has to be mutual i mean when i started i started from zero and nobody helped support me I mean, there was that there was an influencer. His name is uh, Oleg. That he sometimes show up. Yeah. You know Talal and yeah. Anthony James. Yeah. yeah. You know that I know them since I started. So you know we support sometimes our 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 post. Yeah. Not because we are in a group, but because we like what we share and we because we know each other for so long. Yeah. You know, but it's been, it's, they support me, you know, and other people support me as well because they like my content, yeah. you know? So yeah. I believe that, yes, I mean, not only on LinkedIn and not only on social media, but having that kind of partnership in yeah. any kind of business, you know, finding that strategic partnership, yeah. it's, it's going to help you a lot, you know? Yeah. And this is one of the key the keys of success on social media yeah i usually support many people you know i wish i could support more people that i support yeah but uh I, sometimes i don't have the time and sometimes their content doesn't resonate with me yeah, yeah. so and sometimes i receive you know they tag me because they want to promote their services so this is not what i preach so i don't support that yeah. you want to learn how to brand yourself follow me and learn you know many people have learned it from me Yeah. And that really humbles me, you know, and that's I, that, I don't get upset if they use the same videos that I use. I don't get upset if they use the same colors that I use. I don't get upset because, you know, if anything that I'm sharing is going to help you to be successful, use everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were you thought that, you know, partnering or meeting the influencers or people who has I don't like to be called by influencer because. Influencer to me, it's a word that has been used in a wrong way through yeah, Instagram and Facebook yeah. and all this crap that I don't like. Yeah. You know, I'm just always say that I'm just an ordinary mother raising an extraordinary kid, which is my daughter. And, uh, you know, I think that I have positioned myself as a thought leader on social media. Yeah. And this is what I wanted to be. I don't want to be because, you know, leaders serve, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't want to show up like a celebrity or showing, oh, you know, today I, I you know, they, 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 you know, I wasn't Furbies. I wasn't Yahoo. I wasn't whatever. Yeah. I have never been on those things because I will never pay for them. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah, that's yeah. PR. And I will not lie to my following just to show them a piece of magazine that was featuring me because I paid for it. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. So this is not who I am. And many influencers are the way that I am because they are not influencers. They are thought leaders, right? Like Kelly Merville. Kelly Merville yeah. is a thought leader on leadership. Yeah. She's an amazing human being. And she is doing a lot of things, not just for the community on LinkedIn, but also the community outside of LinkedIn. You know, she's served for, for, for real. She's served others, yeah. you know? And yeah. this is up to true leader, not the people just to show up in a camera, put some makeup and say, hey guys, how are you? Today, yeah. I'm going to talk to you about no. I mean, show what you do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know? And show what you're passionate about, right? Walk Passion the is talk. very important as well. Yeah. Walk the talk. So yeah. then what happens? So you start following us. You start following me. You start watching me. You start observing what I was doing. And what was in your mind? 
Well, so I simply wanted to get attention, you know, of uh, everybody who was really good at LinkedIn, to be honest. So I started, as you know, I mean, I started doing super insightful comments uh, as I could. And that was my way of getting the attention, to be honest, because if you look at the other people, um, they will comment, you know, okay, I like this, I like that, um, you know, but there is like not very much thought into what you are posting. So when I was posting, to be honest, my posting was almost like a blog in some cases. Okay. <laughs> it was really long. If somebody reads it, it's going to differentiate. And I... You don't have time for that. We don't have time. Our retention is spam. Yeah. It's so limited right now because we have been bombarded with so many social media content yeah. that if you write something that is going to take me, it's not going to grasp my attention, not yeah. going to grab my attention or my interest yeah. on yeah. what you're sharing. Yeah. I'm just going to scroll down. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I know. So in my case, what I was doing is I was making it super funny, super exciting for people. And they all had my attention always. Uh, in fact, you got my attention. I mean, you have what? Um, 1.3 million followers. Who is Sam? I mean, who I was? I was nothing, right? But you saw something, right? And yes, that's you how are. we started. Listen, only humanity is what yeah. makes you influ influential. Yeah. No yeah. money, titles, or number of followers. Yeah. It's just what you do for others, Sam. Yeah, you know, yeah. and if you were making somebody feel comfortable and happy in the comments that you were doing, that is what grabs my attention. Exactly, exactly. And that's exactly what I was doing. I was simply making people laugh. I was yeah. <laughs> making them feel good, to be honest. You were being yourself. Them good. You were being yourself because yeah. this, is the, this is the guy that you are. I mean, you always yeah. laugh. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I have been with you in a couple of, of, of Zoom calls, you know, and a couple of Zoom calls. And every time I talk to you, I mean, you are yeah. laughing. I so try. really, you are the person who are showcasing on social media. That's yeah. your true self. And this yeah. is your personality. So yeah. this is what really attracts me to you. You know, yeah. who yeah. you are. Not if you are the CEO of three companies. Yeah. Yeah. Not if you are, if you have these titles. Because yeah. titles means nothing to me. Yeah, yeah. I don't have a title. I'm just Lorena Costa. Yeah, yeah. And that's how, you know, most people are, to be honest. That's what I figured on LinkedIn, to be honest, when I started doing that everybody wants to connect with the another human being. And this is what you talk about, Lorena, that trust factor, that humanizing of the content. So it has been a learning and journey for me. Now, if you look at my content, I very rarely talk about ERP. If I start talking about ERP, then, you know, nobody's going to talk to me. It's very no, rare. They don't care. <laughs> They don't care. Let me tell you something. I had a client, right? You know, she was complaining that she, her, her videos didn't have abuse and her videos didn't have a likes. Yeah. And she was complaining, complaining, complaining when she hired me. <laughs> so, you know, when we start going through my, through my coaching, you know, yeah. I say, you know why people doesn't like your content? She's like, no, tell me why. And so I want you to play one of your videos, any, choose any video. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to tell you which one. Yeah. Just choose one video. Yeah. And she chose one video. And in the beginning of her video, she was saying, hey, my name is this, this and this. And I'm the founder and president of this company. You know, what we do is this to these people. This is my target audience. So and then she started with the subject of her video. I told her, listen, yeah. if you tell me this, I don't care. Exactly. Exactly. That's the whole point. I don't care. Exactly. You know, because I don't even know who you are. Yeah. I mean, later on, I will say, oh, this person is the CEO of this company. 
But in the meantime, I need to know if you really, your content and your personality, because remember, the way that people perceive us, you know, between the screen and the real life, yeah, is the way that people is going to continue either follow you yeah. or, or stop following you. Yeah. Remember that consumers are the ones decide which brand lives and which brand dies. Yes. Yes. So yes. it's up to us, right, to get that attention from yeah. the consumers and to really provide the value that they're looking for. Yes. I mean, if you see, I don't sell my product. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you start selling, you are going to lose their attention. I have never sold it. I have never sent <laughs> a message. Nobody likes sales pitches. And I, I posted this content and you like Lorena that, you know, frankly speaking, nobody likes sales pitches. If you tell them a story, they love it. You need to tell them a story, right? If you tell them a story and if you create more of the human factor around the story, then they are going to love it. As soon as you start sales with, nobody likes it. I sold for 27 years and I keep yeah. selling, you know, and every time I meet a new family, they will be completely close minded. Yeah. They will be not open to listen to me. Yeah. They will be sometimes in a negative way and even their posture when they were sitting, you know, and the way that were, they were looking at me because yeah. they came knowing that I was going to sell them something. Yeah. They came yeah. prepared to say no. It's a frightening you know? experience, I'm telling you. <laughs> yes. So it was up to me, right, to make my guests to feel yeah. comfortable with my presence yeah. and to let them know that whatever I was going to show them, my demo, first of all, my demo was not for everybody. And I'm pretty sure that you were too. You yeah, know, yeah. so you know, our clients need to qualify for our demos. Yeah. So I told them that. I mean, please put your guard down yeah. because what I'm going to offer you, you will love it because nobody say no, but you may not be able to afford it. Yeah. So I want you to relax. I'm not going to sell you anything. You're just going to see what I'm going to have to show you. And in the end, if you like it and you can buy it, then you uh, do it. If not, we still be friends. Yeah. And that was my first approach to my clients. Yeah. So why people try to sell you something? I mean, it's surprising for me that many of these people who sell the product are salespeople. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they've been in the sales them to actually, yeah, um, get rid of that pitch mindset. And just because they grew up like that, right? Sometimes it's just hard. No, them. no, no. But they have been on the sales force for years. That's why yeah. they have those jobs. Exactly. So why they don't follow the same process that they follow while they were face to face? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because that's right. we all demos have process. Yes. The presentations yes. has a process. So yeah. why don't you follow your presentation? What is the first step of your presentation? Exactly. What is it? My first step is how can I make my audience laugh? <laughs> well, this is, this is on LinkedIn. But what if you have your demo of what you offer in your services? Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So uh, let's say if I'm doing the content or if I'm doing demo, it has to be a hook. It has to be some sort of hook that actually gets their attention. If I don't get their attention, obviously, what am I I'm Okay. Going to Once about? you get their attention, Sam, what is the first step that you take when you're talking to your clients? So that's what I'm saying. The first step is going to be to get them excited about something. That's going to be a hook that they care for. So it's going to be either a quote, it's going to be either something that is going to resonate with them. It's going to be a joke. I don't know if I'm answering your question. 
Yes, <laughs> because you're breaking the ice. Exactly, exactly. And you're you break breaking the ice. the ice with the people and you try to make them feel comfortable. Exactly. Now, in the end of the day, your clients are going to buy the product if they can afford it. Yeah. And if yeah. your services fit their needs. Yes. You know, but yes. if it doesn't fit the needs, they're going to remember how well you treat them. Yes, yes. So this yes. is what is missing right now on social media. Yes. Many people have skills to sell, but yeah. they really need to sit down, stop all what they're doing yeah. and craft the presentation to be able to approach people online. Yes. If they don't do that, they will never be successful. I'm telling you now. Yeah, 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 yeah. You are so right. <laughs> you are so right. And right now, I would say 90% of the people, they don't know how to use LinkedIn, to be honest. I see them day in, day out, and I just see myself, you know, six months back, the way I was approaching LinkedIn, I just see myself in them. That they just don't know, you know, how to do LinkedIn. They are simply But they don't want to pay as well. They don't <laughs> want to hire somebody to teach them. And then they go through this, the bad way. They go to the parts. They go to the groupies. They start, you know, they, they start copying somebody else's content. They don't know how consistent they have to be. So, you know, what I always tell people is, man, if you are new on social media and you really want to succeed on your business, on your brand, on your company, hire an expert. Yes. It's yes. cheaper to hire an expert and learn always. from the best yep. and follow a step by a step than make all those mistakes that is going to take away from you six or one year yeah. from your time. Yeah. And somebody else is going to hire an expert and they're going to position themselves before you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I always say the same thing to my client as well. Focus on your core and whatever you are not good at, hire expert for that. So you are absolutely right there, Lorena. Yeah. Hire an expert. I mean, I'm not saying they have to hire me, but you know, they can hire me if they can afford me. <laughs> Yeah, Only. yeah. <laughs> and if they qualify, you know that I don't work for everybody. You know, I have my I have my clients, you know, my my target audience. Yep. So Sam, let's talk about a little bit about what is ERP system and how ERP system works. So basically, ERP stands for enterprise resource planning. And there are going to be three keywords there. First enterprise of all, resource planning. Okay. You, you got it. You nailed it. So first keyword is enterprise. After 20 rehearsals. Just kidding. <laughs> in the pre-show. We had so much fun in the pre-show. Right, Lorena? Yes, of course. <laughs> okay, what so about the, the first... poppers? Okay, let's so go the first back. Key... Let's go back. Let's go back. So, so please, <laughs> let's go back. First let's keyword go. is the enterprise. So what enterprise means in the enterprise resource planning is you are taking the organizational view. Okay, so when I say organizational view, what it means is you are going to get an integrated insight for your, your company. So typically in the smaller organization, you might have, let's say four or five different systems. It could be your accounting system. It could be your sales system. It could be your engineering system. It could be your, your marketing automation system. And these systems don't talk to each other. And because of that, let's say if executives need to make decision, they typically are going to have two days of delay in getting the report. They need to hire a guy who can build these reports for them. And finally, they might get an insight. And by that time, their competitors would have sold a product. Okay. 
So what ERP does is it actually provides the integrated, the organizational perspective of your organization. So what you can do, let's say if you are a manufacturing company, e-commerce company, retail company, distribution company, what you can do is you are going to have this insight on your fingertips. You are going to get your enterprise view or the organizational view on your fingertips. So that's the enterprise part. So enterprise's information system at the fingers of the CEOs of the company. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, CEOs, CFOs, COOs. And by the way, I mean, the ERP system is supposed to be a chameleon. So it is supposed to be helping the executives because executives care only for KPIs and charts and graphs. They don't care for the nitty gritty stuff. But ERP is supposed to be helping the field folks as well because they actually care for how do I get from a step A to uh, you know, point A to point B? They don't care for these you know, KPI charts and graphs. So everybody cares for different things. What ERP does is it's almost like a chameleon, right? Mm -hmm. It actually, uh, it works based on users' needs and it actually helps them from their function perspective. So that's where the, the enterprise keyword comes. Do you want to move to the next one now? Okay, let's talk about resources. Okay, so let's talk about resources. So resources are any resources that the manufacturing distribution or, or retail company is using. So the resource could be, let's say if you have machine on your shop floor, you need to plan them. You need to make sure that you are able to cost your products. You are able to schedule your processes so that everything you know, moves smoothly in your warehouse, on your shop floor, and also on your retail floor, right? So this is where your planning part is also going to be handy, but from the resource perspective, it's going to be any of the resources that you are using to build your products, any of the machines, tools, fixtures you might be using to be able to produce these products. Or if you are a distributor, then you could simply be packing them or simply be distributing them. So any of the resources, it could be labor, machine, tools, fixtures, those all are the resources. Now the third part is the planning part. Okay, do you want me to go to planning or do you have yes, any questions? Yes, please, please, please. Okay, so what, so is, what is the planning, financial? So it, it's financial is great because finance, so ERP has to have accounting. Accounting mm -hmm. and finance is the foundation. So the output of an ERP is always going to be your financial statements. And when I say financial st statements, that's going to be your balance sheet, cash flow statements, and uh, your income statement, right, P&L. So you are going to have that as output. So yes, the financial planning is important. But operational planning is equally important. Sales planning is equally important. And then your supply chain planning is equally important. So all of the, and by the way, procurement planning is also important. So all of these planning are important. So whenever, let's say if you're running your manufacturing shop, you need to make sure that the guys who are on the shop floor are able to perform their work when they move from one step to the next. You need to make sure that you are able to provide the material that they are going to be using when they are performing, let's say, operation one or operation two. And if you are not able to supply or the material when the machine is running, your electricity charge is going to be very high because machine is going to be idle. And these guys will not be able to finish their work. They are going to block down the next guy. And then because of that, your production is going to be halted. And you know, if that happens, then your product cost, cost is going to increase. And then you will not be able to compete with your competitors because your product cost is going to be high. So what ERP does basically, it, it streamlines your whole process so that you can compete effectively with your competitors. Nice, beautiful. I love how do you disclose all these things? You know, I was not that bad. 
<laughs> you know. So how EPR systems can help manufacturers and distributions to grow their businesses? So basically, manufacturers definitely need an ERP system to be able to track their costs and to be able to do their manufacturing operations. If they don't have an ERP system, what are they going to do? Are they, they are probably going to do it manually. And when you run their operations manually or a spreadsheet, what is going to happen is you are going to have tons and tons of chaos on the manufacturing floor because you know typically you need to streamline the process. On the manufacturing floor, you have very expensive machines. It's not like manual operation where you can simply talk to the other guy the way you see in the construction space. And then you can simply streamline the process. Here, you are running very expensive machine. You need to make sure that you have enough material for the guy who's actually standing in front of the machine so that they can run their you know, operations smoothly so that you don't have a lot of set up time in, in the machine. So each of the operations need to run smoothly. And if you don't have, the cost of your product is going to be high. So the, uh, you know, how ERP is going to help manufacturers is number one, it's actually going to help each of the cost element that you have in your product so that you, you can analyze, you can visualize, okay, where the problems are in the organization, where you, know, uh, you have room for efficiency, and then it is going to provide you all the data from your sales perspective as well, from the pricing, from the discount. Okay, so it's going to provide you data such as, let's say, which product is performing in, in which particular region, which products are going to be marginable and which products are not really marginable. When your salespeople are going to quote the product, number one, they need to check the availability of the product. If they are not able to check the availability of the product, they will not be able to commit to the customer. And if you don't have live availability of the inventory, then what is going to happen is you might commit to the customer. You might commit that, you know what? I'm actually going to deliver this in two days. But then when you check on the shelf, the product is not going to be there because you just didn't know that the product wasn't there. So you will not be able to deliver in two days. And then what is going to happen? The customer is going to be mad okay. <laughs> because they it. were expecting, right? It could be. So let me ask you a question. Why okay. executives need to think from the mindset of giver to be super connector and how they can help them with the referral base selling? Yeah, so I'm definitely going to answer this more from the referral perspective, right? When we look at the expensive purchases such as machine or ERP or uh, any other expensive purchases that you are doing, that is going to be slightly more long-term in nature from the sales and marketing perspective. What mm -hmm. happens is, I mean, this is not a transactional sale where you can simply call and somebody is going to pay for it. This requires a lot of change in the organization. It impacts a lot of things from the organization, uh, organizational perspective. Mm -hmm. So what is going to happen is, you know, a lot of people are going to be involved in the purchase process when you are selling either the expensive machine or ERP system or for that matter, any expensive purchases that, that companies make. So now if you are going to take a very salesy approach, then what is going to happen is you might connect with one person and they might turn you down. They might not be able to get you in. But let's say if you are doing the referral or relationship-based sale, the way to approach relationship or referral-based sale is going to be, you have to be a giver. You can't be very transactional focused or sales focused. The reason for that is because you will never be able to build a relationship with a person if your approach is going to be very salesy. So what I talk about is, and in my books, this is sales 101. You know, in sales, when I was doing sales, um, you know, my coaches told me, give first before you get. You have to give first in sales. 
whether you are talking to a, let's say, I don't know whether you want to use the term gatekeepers, some people like it, some people don't, but whoever you are talking to, it doesn't matter who you are, who, which person you are talking to. If you want to get their attention, if you want to get any favors from them, first, what you need to do is you need to do favors for them. And that's how the referral marketing works. So if you want to build a relationship with anybody, let's say uh, even on LinkedIn, right? So what I need to do, if I wanted to get attention from Lorena, I need to give something to Lorena. So what can I give to her? What do you it, give me, Sam? It, it, could be, it could be a laugh. It could, <laughs> it could be, you know, insight. It could be likes and comments and making her look good on LinkedIn. Now this approach can go on. And, you know, let's say if I'm trying to build relationship with anybody, I can start commenting on their post. I can start promoting them because, uh, you know, on LinkedIn, if you think about it, it's almost like a content war, the way, <laughs> the way LinkedIn approaches things, right? So only few people are going to be able to show up on the top feeds. So everybody's trying to compete for, for that content. So how do you make sure that you are actually giving it to your customer? One thing what you can do is you can go and you can like, you can comment, you can make introductions to them. So this is one way of giving to your customers so that they can be successful. And once they are successful, they are going to remember you because nobody else is doing this. Nobody exactly. else is really giving as much. So giving is well, very hello. important for the referral-based relationship and also the relationship-centric sales. Okay. So why relationship-centric and referral-based approach is essential for companies, you know, uh, like such a machine or a e ERP? Right. So when we look at the, uh, the expense of purchases, again, if you look at the B2B market, 90% of the deals from our experience, uh, if mm -hmm. you are looking at uh, expensive purchases, they are influenced by a consultant or an influencer. Some people trust influencers, some people trust consultants, some people don't trust consultants. But end of the day, if you Why are you going to be- think that happens? Just because uh, when you are buying something expensive, let's say if you are buying something expensive, Lorena, what is going to happen? I mean, see, you are going to be asking a trusted person that you really trust before you buy, because that has a significant impact. You know, it could have on your family, your personal life. It could have significant impact on your job or your company, right? So whenever we do expensive purchase, I mean, a lot of things are at stake. People get fired. Uh, you know, company lose a lot of money. So they have to find a consultant who really knows what they are doing. And by the way, these expensive purchases are not easy, right? Uh, you know, and not everybody is not going to know everything. So for example, let's say if you look at a CFO or CEO or CIO, they might know their own core, but they will not know everything that they need to know to be able to make an informed decision for these expensive purchases. And that's when consultants come very handy or the influencers, because they go and talk to a lot of businesses. They have far broader insight than an executive or the, the selection committee is going to have. Right? So, what so do you recommend? What do you recommend right now to all the business owners who are listening to what you're saying about LinkedIn and the people that has enough influence on social media? So, one of the things that I'm going to recommend is have the mentality of giver when you look at LinkedIn. Number two, really know how LinkedIn works. If you don't know, talk to an expert, okay, before approaching LinkedIn. That is key. Number three. Influencers and consultants are key to success, especially if you are selling in the B2B market, in fact, in B2C market. 
influencers play a significant role this is one to n scenario where if you win influencer then you are going to win let's say 100 customers 100000 customers i don't know <laughs> but they have a lot of influence and clout people listen to them for a reason because they have been able to do something they have been able to say something on social media that really they build trust with them exactly they have they trust. build trust and I'll you know what that's that is why one of the reasons you know i have been offered to become an influence marketing you know to start helping companies to promote their services or their business yeah. or their product you know but you know i always tell them i need to know what your product does and exactly. i need to know how your product is going to help people yeah. and your or your services because, exactly, because this name. is your personal brand as it's your credibility yeah it's you my name behind randomly yes. exactly it's exactly. my name behind their brand like yes. you say you know there is a beautiful uh, there is an, a nice company right now that on instagram yeah that is helping people to fix their teeth yeah so either though they bleach them or they put them together they send you the whole set that you can mark your teeth and send them and a dog dentist is going to fix it and it's going to If you qualify, they're going to send you the whole treatment and you pay whatever amount it is to fix your teeth, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So they contact me. And I was like, oh my God, do I have a bad teeth? You know, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> But I have those little teeth that they are a little bit out because when yeah. I was small, I used to suck my thumb before I went to sleep. Yeah. And I never wanted to wear braces because I don't need them. So they're yeah. just a little bit out, you know? Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I told them, I don't think I need your services. But then, you know, they asked me if we like to put all my teeth, you know, like together, like, like you know, the beautiful smile. Yeah. And then I said, well, yeah, I would love to have that. Why not? Yeah. So yeah. they said, would you do marketing for us? And I say, if your services work. Yeah. And I yeah. try them first. Yeah. And they work for me and I, and I check your customer services yeah. and the way that you treat me, not because I'm doing you the, this, this marketing thing. Yeah. I would love to share my experience with my audience, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's you how know? everybody would, I mean, I would do it. Um, you know, I need to know how it is going to benefit my audience, how it is going to exactly, add value in their life. You know, so <laughs> there is another company right now, which is wonderful. Yeah. And they have these clear masks Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they come with sunglasses, you know, yeah. already. Yeah. And the UFB and all these things. And they're clear masks, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I'm struggling myself every time I go out because yeah. my glasses get all full of fog. Fog. Yeah. So it's, it's very, you know, so then I don't see and I start getting anxiety. And it's, it's very bad. So I yeah. saw those, you know, on Instagram. Yeah. And I say, you know what? I would love to try your yeah. mask because yeah. if it works for me, yeah. it will work for anybody else. Right. So right. they send me two masks. They are on the way. I'm going to try them. I'm going to yeah. use them. And if those masks are the big deal, I'm yeah. going to wear them on a podcast. And I'm going to say, guys, connect with these people. Yeah. You have to wear, of course, your mask, right? Yeah. To go out. Yeah. But at least, you know, you have the clear vision. Or you don't have to be, if you are six feet apart, you don't have to wear the mask. Those are the things that yeah. I will put myself into yeah. because I try them, because they serve me. And yeah. if they serve me, it may serve somebody else. Exactly. They might have similar problems that we might not know. And, uh, you know, in a way you are helping. So even if you are, let's say, promoting or you are not promoting, it doesn't matter. But you are going to actually help the community because they might have similar problems and they just might not know about it. They might feel frustrated because of it. So let me ask you a question, Sam. 
in the past, when you used to have all this lead generation, yeah, how was the outcome for every person that you approach with your message? How was the outcome? How was the reaction is what yeah. you're asking? Yeah. yeah, so reaction, uh, you know, wasn't too bad, I would say, because uh, I was really good at cold calling, to be honest. Uh, but I have seen other people doing it. They are not as good uh, just because they try to sell even in during the cold calls. My approach with cold calls was slightly different. When I used to cold call, <laughs> I very rarely used to sell. Okay, it was almost like, you know, if you are looking for this one, I'm not going to waste your time. Look, I'm, I'm going to make it super fast. You know, I will be done in, let's say, 10 seconds. So that's how I used to cold call. And that's how my team used to cold call. And we typically used to have decent results that, okay, if you are going to take only 10 seconds, then it's going to be okay. But obviously, when we started the inbound marketing, obviously, now we are feeling that whatever we had done in case of outbound, probably that is not required. Because one of the things that I was talking to you, Lorena, you know, during our conversation is when we do these outbound marketing, once you are done with the outbound marketing, that spend is done. You know, that is lost. You are not really building any assets. But when you do the inbound marketing, what you are doing is you are literally building your IP. You are building your assets. So in case of, let's say, if I write a blog today, that blog is going to stay on uh, as my asset on internet for, let's say, four years, five years, three years. <laughs> and I can keep updating that. The same thing can happen for social media as well. For example, let's say if I gain my followers today, these followers are going to be for next three years, five years, 10 years. I don't know, <laughs> uh, you know, so this is the asset. But let's say if I cold call, if I do outbound email, that as soon as that email is done, if the client responds, great. If they don't respond, sometimes they mark me as, as spam. Sometimes when I cold call, they might <laughs> put me in the do not call list and then I lose my chance. But in case of inbound marketing, since they are coming to you, you are not going to them. So the That's table the is nice part. That's the nice part, Sam. Table is turned. I totally agree. I totally agree. So let me ask you another question. How communities can help with customer engagement and building relationships with influencers who influence 90% of the B2B sales? Yeah, so we just briefly on this one. So, you know, now we are going to talk more from the community perspective. So yeah. community is sort of the bigger game or the upper game when we talk about the referral-based marketing, right? So in case of community, what you are doing is you are literally hanging out with your customers or for your customers. And what you are doing is you are basically helping them with whatever they care for. For example, let's talk about our community, WBS Rocks. So what we did is, you know, we built WBS Rocks around the interest of CFOs and COOs. So what we are doing at this point of time, number one, we are doing pre-marketing for the manufacturers and distributors. So what we do is we invite them and we uh, ask them to talk about their offering. So now they are promoting their offering. Their customers are actually listing and we are helping them grow. So this is the community that we have built for the manufacturers and distributors. This is what, uh, you know, every manufacturers and distributor or whoever is listening to this show, they should be thinking about how you can build the community experience around your customer, whatever they care for. It's not going to be about your offering. It's going to be your, uh, around your customer's interest or the influencer's interest. In my mind, the influencers or consultants are going to be equal to customers, if not more, because they bring a lot more deals than your customer. In case of your customer, 
if you if you piss off your customer then probably you are going to lose one deal but if let's say if you piss off um, influencer or a consultant then probably you are losing you know significant number of deals there so you really want to figure out how you can build a community either around your influencer or consultant's interest or your customer's interest and then you are going to get your name out there as a thought leader in your industry and once you do that then a lot of people are going to come to you and they are going to ask for your advice because now you are known as a thought leader in that specific niche and then everybody is going to ask you okay how do i do this and once they ask then the next question next outcome is going to be okay how do i solve this problem and that is going to be solved by your product so whatever who are... will be the right uh, influencer or thought leader on linkedin who will be their right fit for your business to help you to influence your market so okay so are you asking the question uh, who how should they identify no, who their... who you think it could help you personally could help me mm-hmm. yeah so my thought leaders and my influencers are going to be the people who are influencing erp deals so typically these people are going to be the people who have the existing relationships with the executives for example let's let's talk about manufacturing consultant mm-hmm. supply chain consultant the fda consultant now they are not trying to sell erp they are trying to sell something different but since they have already sold because their offerings are not as expensive so they were they could get into these accounts before me so they already have these pre existing relationship right mm-hmm. so the next question they might ask hey you know what i bought from you now i'm looking for this advice okay how do i get this do you know anybody who can help me right so the might be engaged as a consultant or the influencer or they might be involved in the purchase cycle just because they are very well trusted by the executives so uh, let's say if you talk about your customers right if they are selling let's say uh, you know any of the machines or uh, machines for the warehouse or let's say if they are selling pos system or anything for that matter right it could mm-hmm. be a material uh, you know for the manufacturing process or it could be a computer system for the banks right So typically the way to think about the influencer is going to be who is already in the account who is hanging out with your target customers at this point of time it could be IT guys it could be finance guys it could be marketing guys it could be sales guys it could be Did anybody. you find yours Yes yes we did find we have a, I have a target list of influencers that I want to go after uh, you know we are very strategic with our our marketing we typically like to identify okay which are the influencers that are going to be really important for us who are going to help us and we have very specific marketing strategy to target them beautiful so sam is there anything that would you like to add to this conversation yes so my advice to your audience is going to be especially if they are looking to go into the linkedin journey my advice is going to be if you are simply posting your sales pitches on linkedin and you don't have a lot of followers who are not going to either promote your content like your content engage with your content i would request you to make cold calls because you are wasting your time on linkedin linkedin algorithm requires you to have a lot of followers on linkedin uh, you should have a lot of friends on linkedin that are willing to either like your content or engage with your content so if you don't have time for that you are better off making the cold calls or hire somebody who really understand linkedin to be able to make sure that you are not wasting your time beautiful 
I'm happy that you are sharing this. I mean, it's not the numbers of followers because I have seen a lot of people saying, follow me, follow me, let's connect. But that people is not your target audience. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You so know, somebody target who audience matters. So, yes. I mean, everybody, you know, everybody has an audience, right? But I have seen a lady who shared a lot of videos from animals. Yeah. And she has thousands of views and, and likes. Yeah. Because a lot of people love animals. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. that's not your target audience. Exactly. 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 You know, so come on. Yeah. Yeah. So relevancy matters a lot, right? I mean, um, so yeah. So obviously your, your uh, you know, the right followers is the right term, I guess, right? That's how they need to I think. Would but say I mean, the right connections, right? Yeah. I mean, exactly. everything is start with your connections and the followers would follow you because your connections are yeah. aligned with your messaging. Exactly. Exactly. Your connections are the one help you your your post or your content to go viral because they are aligned with your values and with your beliefs. Yes. Yes. But you if know? nobody likes it and nobody engages it, the content does not go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. The last question. Okay. Of tonight. All right. If you have the capability or the power yeah. to change something in your life, what would you change? If I have power or capability to change something, I will probably be nicer to salespeople in general. When we look at salespeople, we typically think that, you know, these guys are simply cold calling. They are not, you know, they are simply trying to sell their stuff. But on the other side, if you look at them, they are trying to feed their family. They are trying to make a living. So yeah, so unless somebody is being super pushy or somebody is really bothering you, just be slightly nicer. I feel the same way. How would you change that? What would you do to help those salespeople who are pushing themselves? Because I understand, I mean, I was one of them, but yep. that makes me leave corporate America. I didn't like any more that strategy. You know, I didn't like that um, manual anymore. And not only me, I mean, Kelly Marble was a, a top sales executive as well for 20 years. Yeah. And she left corporate America for the same reason. Yeah. You know, I just interviewed her a few, few days ago and we w jumped together into a call and said, let's do it because we left for the same reason. I mean, as we evolve as human beings, yeah. our values and beliefs as well change, right? So yeah. my values and her values change. Yeah. And we wouldn't feel uncomfortable to just continue living to yeah. hit that target, yeah. to hit yeah. that budget, to keep the KPI well, you know? Yeah. So we were just like, we were just money machines. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, and we were empty. We didn't yeah. have time for our families. Yeah. We didn't have time for, for our husbands. Yeah. We didn't have time to enjoy a dinner with our children. Yeah. We didn't have time because we were, we were making a lot of money. Yes, of course, yeah. we have a great living lifestyle. Yeah. But what is more important? What a better it? kitchen, <laughs> a bigger swimming pool in the patio, a nice car, or to leave, you know, a legacy within your children. Yep. Because in the end of the day, you know, you choose to have those children. Yes. yes. You choose to be the father or the mother of those children. Yeah. And it's not the material thing that yep. people remember before they die. That's right. And I'm going to tell you why I know this. Because after my sister passed away, I volunteered 10 months on hospice. My sister died on hospice. 
So I wanted to heal myself, serving others, and help families who were going through the same things that we went through when my sister died. So when I started going to volunteer on the houses of the patients, I mean, I was not a nurse. I didn't, you know, but I was helping them to do things that I didn't even do in my house. Yeah. Because I have a housekeeper. Yeah. Like washing the dishes, making the laundry, changing bed sheets, you know, folding clothes, swiping the floors, and sometimes staying, you know, with the patients when they need to go to do some groceries or yeah. just go for a walk yeah. or smoke a cigarette or yeah. just cry or whatever. Yeah. You know, I was there. So I start bringing sometimes my dogs when I have the relationship with the family. I yeah. have two Yorkies, right? So I will bring sometimes my dogs and they will lay in the bed and the patient will play with them a little bit. We will play music, the music that they like. But I always ask them this question when I have the opportunity. What is what you remember when you were young, when you were a kid? What are the best memories yeah, you have yeah. from yeah. your childhood? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they will always say either my vacations with my, with my family, with my parents. Yeah. You know, vacations. Yeah. Or they will say the time that we spent together. Yes, yes. They never mention the huge swimming pool. Yeah, the newest that's right. Are, that's right. Nobody remembers that. No, nobody, nobody remembers that, that yeah. you know. Something that touches our, our, our emotions is what we are going to remember always. It has to be either, yeah, it has to be either deep happiness or deep sadness or something. Yes. So, you know, this is something that is very important to remember and something that I always try to keep in my mind. And yeah. this is one of the reasons why Kelly also to choose to leave corporate America and yeah. start just her own business. Yeah. which is booming right now and dedicate Amazing. more time to her family, which is why she had it. Yeah. 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 And why I have mine. Yes. Yes. You know? Yes. So Sam, that this night wasn't amazing. I love to learn more about what you do. You know, I'm going to share your content on my feed because I That's think amazing. that there is a lot of people who will love to listen of what you have to offer and let's continue our relationship. Amazing. Thank you so much, Lorena. I, I always enjoy talking to you. It was a fun conversation and I hope they find my insight useful. Of course. Absolutely. I love your laughing and I love when you laugh online. I mean, Thank I really so enjoy much, it. Okay? <laughs> I enjoy your company as well. Keep laughing, my friend, and yeah. keep uh, being busy, being <laughs> awesome. Amazing. Thank you so much, Lorena. I really Thank appreciate you. it. Bye now. Bye. This podcast was edited and sponsored by Podify. Thank you for listening to Be Busy Being Awesome podcast with Lorena Acosta. Now get out there and be busy being awesome.